record. Hey friends, this is Shadima, also known as the Taipei Hippie, and this is the Taipei Hippie Podcast, Chicast episode 97, and I'm on with Anuja Rajendra, and it's so crazy how I came to know who you are, but before I get into this crazy story, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Chidima. It's a pleasure to, to be here with you today. I'm really thrilled to, to meet with you this afternoon and uh, all of your guests. Thank you. So I saw you. You were somewhere. I was watching a live stream because I couldn't get away from work. We were like under mountains of <laughs> reports that I was writing. And I saw this spitfire young woman who was talking about being a mom of four and a wife and a small business owner, a graduate of the university. And I was like, and then you said that you were running for state Senate. I was like, yes, yes. And all the yeses, this is exactly who we need to run for state Senate. And I was like, I would love to have her on the podcast. And then fast forward, I got a mailer and then I reached out to you and you responded and now you're here. So it's, Kind of kismet, and I'm really excited that you are. So, tell everyone, in your own words, um, who you are. Well, um, thank you, and I think it is kismet that we ended up connecting, and then we we saw each other out <laughs> and about in town. And right. um, I'm so glad that you came and said hello, and we recognized each other. Uh, you know, who who am I? I mean, that's such a beautiful question. Um, we are we are so many. Um, forms and labels. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm universal energy, uh, you know, packaged in this form of, uh, of a woman, uh, a woman of color, a mother, uh, a wife, uh, as you said, a small business owner and someone who cares deeply about the community, uh, the state, the nation, the world that that I am a part of. And I believe that everything that's in the universe, uh, that cosmic energy is within us and everything that's within us is in the universe. So, so who am I is, uh, you know, a, a, a part of this universe and um, ready to, to do my best to fulfill my life mission. Uh, and we all have our missions and, and, and I'm uh, ready to work on mine. I love that. So what is your life mission or some of it? My life mission is to, to make the world better to my highest capacity. And I believe that a small change in one individual can have a profound impact on their environment. So by me going deep within changing myself, I can have a profound impact on my children and my colleagues, people that I meet on a day-to-day -day basis. And if that can create a positive shift in them and, uh, and shape the world in a direction um, that, that decreases this toxic stress that's permeating our society right now, um, then I'm fulfilling my mission. And, and if I can do it to my highest capacity, um, and, you know, right now what that mission entails is uh, to, to be a voice uh, for our values uh, here in Michigan, where I live. Uh, I'm running to be uh, the next state senator uh, from the 18th district uh, in uh, Michigan, which encompasses most of Washtenaw County, and running to be a strong, inclusive uh, voice, uh, fresh perspective, and a mother uh, 
for our values and, um, and, and, and ready to get to work for all of us. That's so good. So what made you think to run? Because many people would say, I can probably do better than what's being done right now. And they don't run. So what made you run? So the election happened here in the U.S. Uh, November 8th, 2016, and I saw the anger, the outrage, the confusion, the anxiety that was permeating uh, our society. My friends were all going on social media and venting, and that has its place. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I just took a step back and I started to listen and observe uh, what was happening around me. I went to the Women's March in Washington with my 10-year-old son, and you could feel the pleats for change reverberating through the air. And I came back home to Michigan, and I started to look closely at this community that I've been a part of. Uh, you know, I've lived in the district where I'm running for over two decades. I was born in Michigan, and I've been involved in many different ways. Uh, but I thought that to be an elected office, you had to be born into politics. You had to look a certain way. You had to be a certain gender. Uh, and, uh, you know, you had to be an attorney and, and get into that life path or have it carved out for, for you from your early years. And um, I looked at the representation here in Michigan, in particular in the state Senate, and I was astounded to see the huge gaps in representation. So uh, this was in 2017. And you know, at, at that time here in Michigan, um, out of 38 state senators, I learned we have one female Democratic senator and uh, three Republican female senators. The one female Democrat was vacating her seat after eight years of service. Of the three Republican women, two of those three were vacating their seats. So out of 38 state senators, we could be left with one woman and zero Democratic women. We have zero Democratic mothers in our entire state Senate in Michigan. We have zero black or brown or Asian women in our Michigan state Senate. There's one Asian American man, he is vacating his seat. And with everything happening from Washington, D.C. to Hollywood to even Lansing, Michigan here, it's really important that we have voices, faces, skin tones, perspectives, experiences that reflect the vibrant and dynamic fabric of our people. And so I started to have conversations with people and, and try to get a sense uh, from other legislators that what does it take to be effective? And you know, is someone who's been in elected office necessarily going to be, you know, more productive and effective than someone who has not. And, you know, I got very positive feedback. And what I was told is that someone with your background, skills, and experiences can add value. We do need faces, voices, experiences. And, and that word experience that, you know, people who are in the establishment like to throw out a lot, you know, to me, it, it reminds me of a time when, uh, you know, people of color couldn't vote here in the United States. And it reminds me of a time when women couldn't vote here in the United States. And so when people talk about, well, you know, I'm a manbassador, I'm gonna be a manbassador for you. To me, you know, yes, I, I don't have a problem with men. You know, I've been happily married for 18 years. I love my boys also, and we need all of us. But, um, something about that, that term when it's used to replace that we don't need a woman 
voice at the table and a man ambassador can do the same thing. To me, that's like saying, you don't need to vote, little girl, <laughs> you know, or brown person. Sure. We, got, we got you covered. You know, we, we can do the thinking for you. Um, so it, it just, and, and then I started to do some research that doesn't make a difference. This is just kind of a feel good sort of thing that, yeah, we want seats at the table for people of diverse, you know, colors and genders and life experiences, but does it really make a difference? Well, you know what, Chadima, the, the research is, is, um, very strong and compelling that diverse representation creates better results. And, and women, and in particular women of color, have been at the forefront of so many movements in the country. And um, we're at a critical inflection point in our nation's history. And here in Michigan, we're about to enter our 100th legislature. And so we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing to move our state forward? And you have these rallies and marches, and they're wonderful. But what typically happens is there's so much excitement at that moment and then people go on with their lives afterwards. And so what change, what sustainable change has happened as a result of that? And so that's why I felt so compelled that it, I can't leave it, you know, at the election and being outraged about November 8th. I can't leave it at the Women's March or the March for Our Lives. So we have to take action. And so that's why uh, one of many reasons why, why I'm running for the state Senate here is to be an inclusive, strong uh, voice for our values to help move our community forward. I so appreciate you going into such great detail because one of the questions I was thinking about, and I have my thoughts on it, and you touched on it, was why representation matters and why do we find that diverse representation creates results so what do you think in terms of i mean from a perspective of i mean there's currently a professor in the u of m system uh, that doesn't like programming that's geared towards women, specifically women in STEM. So for folks that aren't aware, STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. So he is upset that there is programming that's specifically geared. And I would imagine, I just read a, started reading an article written about his frustration with the University of Michigan's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Strategic Plan. So why does all of this matter? And to the naysayers or people who are not for representation, not for diversity, equity, and inclusion, why is this so important? Why do we need someone like you to come in and share your own lived experience and inform policy changes based on that? So I, I'm a person who likes to um, step step back and uh, listen. I have a seek to understand perspective. And uh, so I'm curious as to, you know, this particular professor that you're referencing, um, what is his rationale? What is his concern around this? So his concern is that if there's programming specific to, say, folks who identify as women, that that leaves out 
other folks. So men, trans folks, uh, non-binary conforming folks, you know, and the list goes on. So I thought that was interesting that he was thinking about those people and also that there are specific needs that some of this programming, you know, there's a reason why there's a black student union on various campuses, right? There's a reason why there's Asian Pacific, uh, like APA student organizations on campuses across the country. Um, and so, yeah, just your thoughts on why representation and diversity is actually important and not just buzzwords that we're tossing around these days. Yeah, you know, for, for this uh, professor and, and, you know, um, people who have those sorts of concerns, um, you know, I find that engaged civil discourse is always a good place to start. Um, and to me, it's not about being mutually exclusive. So mm -hmm. we're not about women or men. We're not talking about people of color versus not. Sure. So we share one community, one society. And look, here in Michigan and across the United States, um, we have so much positive uh, you know, um, successes to feel good about, but we have opportunities. There are people who are hurting, people who have been left behind. And I think that the more that we can equip and empower more of us to reach their highest potential, um, to be strong contributing members of our society, the more that it benefits all of us as a people. So, so to him, you know, I would love to have a conversation around that. So, you know, if you have um, five men and five women, and the data shows that the five women tend to lose interest in these types of fields because they feel that they don't have the capacity, uh, they're not welcome, um, you know, they, they don't have the intellect. Um, and so they end up tapering off, but the data shows because I think data is important, that we do have that social infrastructure and support through these organizations, they actually do thrive and um, do just as well as their male counterparts. So why not set up our community, our society for success by not losing those five? And, you know, this original five who's likely to succeed, why not bring all 10 of us to the table and look what we can do together? Agreed. Thank you for sharing your perspectives on that. So we're both Wolverines. How was that experience for you? You're from Michigan. So many people from Michigan end up at Michigan, at least at that time. So what were your experiences like? Did you notice anything different? Uh, because U of M is a PWI. It's considered a predominantly white institution and the numbers reflect that it's not something we're just making up. I'm a big person, a data person. I'm a researcher as well. So what was that experience like for you being a woman of color here? You know, it was interesting when I started here at the College of Engineering, uh, I was part of a program like a summer minority engineering program uh, the summer before I started. And um, I walked into that situation and um, there were, you know, men and women um, and I was the only person that was of Indian American background and then everybody else, um, you know, I identified as black or there's a couple of Hispanics. Um, and 
And that was my first experience. I, I've been a, you know, a minority you know, in my whole life, um, but being a minority in this type of a setting um, you know, with other people who have had that experience, but the only person who was you know, Indian American. Um, I had such a wonderful time during that summer program and had um, wonderful memories and friendships. And I noticed that once the school year started, that um, I would see some of my friends from the program. And because I already knew them, I was so conscious that there was such a um, separation between them and a lot of the other people that I was seeing around me um, at Michigan. And, you know, as a young woman, it was, um, it was something that just kind of gave me a pause and, I've, and I've, it stayed with me that what is it that happens in a community here like at U of M, which is supposed to be so, uh, so progressive and integrated and diverse, and yet you have these islands of people and, um, and the implicit bias um, that exists. Um, so, so we've come so far and, and yet we have so far to go. That's true. It's very true. During my time at U of M, we, and I identify many of you know, as a Nigerian American woman or black, it just depends on the day. And we purchased Black at Michigan t-shirts because many students, specifically white students at the time, did not feel like Black students belonged there. And that wasn't that long ago. I mean, it was kind of a long time ago, but not really in the context of how long we've been in this country, meaning, you know, people like myself, um, my parents emigrated from Nigeria. And so I'm a first generation uh, I'm a first generation, um, I don't know if student's the right word, but first gen in terms of my parents coming here and then, you know, us being, my siblings and I being born in this country. And so it was very interesting that even in the context and historical context, that was, there was still a need for that um, voice for us as students to say we belong here, we were admitted here. Uh, we have a right to be here and we're going to not only survive, we're going to thrive here. And that was an interesting, I mean, looking back at it now to your point about there are definitely divisions and yes, there was some, I mean, many of my friends were multiracial and multicultural and I'm grateful for that diverse experience that I had. There's still a very isolated, there's a lot of isolation a lot of imposter syndrome for students, specifically students of color and students from low income backgrounds where they come to the university and sometimes they feel like they're going to be found out that maybe they don't belong there um, because they don't have a sense of entitlement that they actually got the admission letter that the university actually wants them to be there and not just survive but thrive. So it's always interesting to hear other people's perspectives on their own experience because we each have something unique to bring to the table. You know, and along the lines of what you're talking about, I think the same is true as, uh, as we progress through life um, because we live in a very, um, you know, progressive community here in, in Ann Arbor. Sure. And so proud of, of this community um, in many, many ways. 
Um, and we have to make sure whether it's in Ann Arbor or anywhere else in the country or the world that we are not theoretical progressives that we are actually living the values that we are uh, prophesizing. And that includes our um, daily interactions, who we have lunch with, who we invite over to our home, um, whose homes we go to, which neighborhoods uh, we, we have dinner at. Um, are we willing to travel, you know, uh, you know, to, you know, on the other side of a highway? Um, you know, and explore a part of town in a comfortable way? Um, and how do we feel when somebody who doesn't look like us is, you know, walking down the street late at night? Um, and whether it's in our, you know, quote unquote, our setting or, or another setting. So um, to me, you know, progressive, being progressive is, is a label. Um, what's more important is what do you do? I agree. That's so, so, so good and so rich because sometimes I look out and I see people and I see how people are congregated, right? And it's like, there's a book and I'll include it in the show notes of like, why are all this fill in the blank kids sitting together at the lunch table, right? And I haven't read it and I, I'd like to actually read that book because a lot of times, even within my friend circle in during undergraduate studies, Many of us, we look different, perhaps, but our socioeconomic status was largely close to one another. So that's a level of diversity as well that sometimes we're not considering as like, you know, income level. Race and gender are not the only things that we have to talk about. There's so much more. And there is a richness that uh, is lost when I'm not willing to step out of my comfort zone and talk to somebody else that may have a completely different lived experience than me. So that is one of the biggest components as well. So you mentioned going to the Women's March with your son. How was, what was his experience like? What did he share with you, I should say? Yeah, so, you know, um, and why, why did you take him and not the others? And what did he share with you afterwards? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I made plans to go the week of the march. Um, and you know what it is about human nature that if you feel like there's other people that you know, going, having a place being wanted, all of that, so I had friends of friends who were going, but nobody that I felt really comfortable with until a couple of days before. Um, and something inside me just compelled me that I need to be there. And, um, you know, so made last minute arrangements. I was supposed to leave Friday evening uh, at six o'clock. And I picked up my son at four o'clock from school, from elementary school. And he said, Mama, what time are we going? And I said, where are we going? And he said to the women's march. And I said, oh, sweetie, you know, I'm going, you know, but I didn't make plans for you to go. And he said, well, I told all my friends today at school that I'm going with you. And he was just so, um, so firm in his resolve that I knew I had to make it happen. So we scrambled and, uh, and, and made the plans, but he decided that he was going to be there. And I found that so inspiring because um, no matter um, what we may think of children, they have a sense of what's going on in the universe and the energy. My older son would have loved to go, but he was playing in a sports tournament that weekend. And so, you know, I couldn't pull him out. 
and then um, our girls were really young uh, sure. at the time, and uh, you know I was traveling with friends of friends and staying in people's places, and um, you know di didn't want to put anybody out because I didn't know them well enough to to bring my entourage of my family. Um, so that's how my son ended up coming, and. Uh, and I got to give it to him, you know, being the fourth grader that he was, we were on our feet from early morning, you know, until it was dark at night and, uh, you know, didn't stop for a bathroom until the evening. Um, and I think it was a life changing experience uh, for him, you know, reading the signs and hearing the cries uh, of, of the mothers who had lost their sons. and. Um, and, you know, walking by where uh, our new president, uh, you know, was supposed to be uh, inside a hotel. And um, so I'm so proud um, for him that he wanted to come. I'm grateful he was able to join me. And, um, and seeing the, the diversity in the faces, the voices, the experiences of, of, of men and women, um, you know, and, and people who identify as everything in between. Mm -hmm. and, in this beautiful um, rainbow of expression. Um, but I felt a sense of responsibility. In Indian culture, um, there's a term called dharma, and dharma means duty. And so, you know, going back to why I decided to run, you know, I realized that, you know, yes, I've had challenges and struggles in my life, uh, but I've been given gifts also. And when we talk about, you know, where somebody is, in, in, you know, in the track of life, um, you know, wherever I started, there are people who started out, you know, three, four, five laps behind me. And there are people who don't even have a place, who don't even have a lane on the track. And, you know, I feel that to those whom something has been given, uh, you know, we must give um, more. So um, I'm running to be a voice for, for all of those who don't have a place on the track uh, right now and for those who are starting out laps behind on the track and 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 that that march um, you know I didn't want to leave it at that day but I take that energy and those faces and those voices and those pleads and those expressions and it is fuel for me uh, on those days and nights where it's tough when people question uh, my capacity when they question my experience, uh, and they question my right to have a seat at the table. Sure. So first of all, we have someone that got elected that has zero experience, and they managed to get elected. So that's they who shall not be named right now. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, and two, you do have so much that you bring to the table. And I'm so grateful that you decided to go for it because many people that maybe considered it, I was involved shortly with doing social media for an organization called Brand New Congress. And they are about not, so repealing and replacing Congress and not going with they don't endorse career politicians. They endorse people like you and I that have unique, you know, voices, faces, experiences, people who are bringing something to the table, people who are not bought off by, you know, lobbyists and people who 
are willing to do the work and not just take up space because that's what I think a lot of Congress is doing, unfortunately. And so I've been faxing uh, to our Congress, uh, members of uh, Congress, um, about what's happening at the border because there is a sense of duty, right? I can't sit back and complain or vent on social media. I mean, if that's what you feel is appropriate for you, please. You know, y'all who listen know I'm a live and let live type of person for the most part. However, I cannot sit back. And so when I think about you running, I'm really pleased, I'm really grateful. And how do your, how does your family feel about this? Because it's not just you, right? It's you on the name, it's you on the yard sign. And thank you for having your folks drop off yard signs for me. Um, I gave one to my friend that we saw that you met when we ran into each other in town. So your husband, how does he feel about this? Your family, extended family, um, your little people, your kids, what, what is everyone thinking about this? Well, and thank you for hosting a yard sign. And uh, my family has been so supportive. Good. Um, I'm, I'm very blessed. Um, you know, my husband, uh, you know, he, he was funny. He, he said, you know, I'm going to vote for a straight ticket female, <laughs> you know, ticket on my ballot um, this year because the men have been in charge for over 200 years. And, uh, you know, I, I'm convinced that, that we can only keep going further. So, uh, you know, that, that's his perspective uh, on it. Um, and my kids also, you know, sometimes, um, you know, when, when I'm balancing my schedule, because uh, there's a lot of logistics involved sure. in moving kids, uh, you know, my boys will literally push me out the door, you know, mama, you got to go, you got to go do this, you know, for the community, you remember why you're running. Um, and my girls are so sweet. They're, they're young and, and uh, you know, they, they tell their friends, our mom is running. Uh, she's running in Michigan. So because I, I you know, I'm, I'm a dancer and I'm a runner also. Uh, and so they think I'm literally running through Michigan, which uh, it feels like I'm doing because I'm doing a lot of canvassing, which is knocking on people's doors. And um, that's been one of my favorite parts of the experience. Um, you know, meeting with the diversity of faces and voices and perspectives in streets that I've never been to before. And, you know, walking up to somebody's front porch in such an intimate way and having those conversations. And on a hot day, when somebody asks if you want to have a glass of water, you know, that just gives you so much faith in humanity and the best of who we are. And when, you know, last night it was about 9.15 p.m. and um, I was over in Ypsilanti and knocked on somebody's door and I heard a come in <laughs> and I was with one of my interns and who's a student at Washington Community College here. And, you know, we looked at each other. We said, okay, you know, let's, let's go in. And we sat at, at a breakfast table and had a wonderful conversation with a family. Um, they were worried about us because by the time we were done talking, it was dark out. And um, they said, you know, you're two, two women, it's late at night, we're going to give you a ride back to your car. And so this woman, uh, Teresa, that I'd never met and her uh, family members, um, you know, welcomed us into their home. And that is who we are as a people when we don't have fear. 
attached. You know, I believe there's two emotions that govern all of us, love and fear, and all negative behavior comes from fear. That's right. It's what's happening right at the border. It's what's happening whenever people say things like, well, these people cut in line, like the proverbial line, right? And there's a blame game of this is what belongs to me and someone's taking this, right? You know, and I read it somewhere and it's like, this life isn't pie. There's not just an, a finite amount. Like, there's so much that we can do when we actually work together and when we actually sit back and listen and hear one another. I will say you might be a little bit more evolved than me. There are certain voices that I'm not interested in hearing because of the detriment and the danger it can place me in. So folks that literally don't want me or people like me to be alive or exist, I'm not really in conversation with those folks. However, there's a lot of people that are not that extreme. And so there is a lot of opportunity for us to actually have conversations with one another and see a different point of view, experience a different point of view. Uh, you know, this idea of like walking in a mile, a mile in someone's shoes. We've lost that. We've lost the golden rule. So many things that I think are universal laws that anyone and everyone can get behind, especially and in spite of if you don't ascribe to any particular faith perspective or religion or anything like that. There are so many things that we can do together collectively if we just are more mindful and more available. Uh, so one last thing, how do you self-care? You mentioned you're a runner and a dancer. Any other things that you do, any tips and tricks? Because I believe that you are big on health and wellness also. So what do you do to take care of yourself, especially in the hustle and bustle of running a household, right? That's kind of like a business and having your own business and running for office. What do you do? I, I start with always uh, trying to center myself back in the wholeness of who I am. So um, it's easy to look at the world and see where other people are um, and, um, and, and question, um, you know, our, our, uh, our value to the world. And so to remember that it's, it's, not, it's not a competition um, and talking in terms of humanity, you know, who we, who we are as a being. And so for me to do the best that I can for myself, um, and, and then I have other practices. I mean, I, um, I chant, uh, so, you know, I grew up, uh, Hindu and, um, and then Buddhism was born from Hinduism. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there's a, um, beautiful chant called nam myoho renge kyo uh, which is aligning yourself with the universal energy of the universe. Um, and so that's something that I do every day in the morning, in the evening, and especially on more challenging days, um, when it's hard to, um, to follow through with those practices, I try to make sure that I do that. Um, there's also a wonderful practice that I was introduced to, um, by, uh, by, a author who was in a terrible accident and he came up with this thing called, um, the miracle morning 
I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. Um, there's this, uh, he, he took like all of the practices that he's read about over the years and he packaged them together into something called savers, like life savers. And he recommends that all those things that are on your list that you think you're supposed to do, but you have a hard time doing, and then they cause you additional stress, <laughs> um, that you package them together and you do them first thing in the morning when you're fresh before um, all the other demands of the day come. So if you normally wake up at 6 a.m., wake up at 5.30 or at 5 a.m. So savers, uh, if, if my memory serves me correctly, um, S uh, is starting with stillness. So you could call it meditation or stillness. Uh, a is affirmations that you've written before and you read out loud. V is visualization. Uh, e is exercise. So, you know, something like yoga, which I know that you appreciate. Uh, I do. Yeah, R is reading. Uh, and the final S is scribe, scribing, which is a fancy word for writing, but it, you know, S fits better <laughs> with his acronym. So, um, so my husband and I were waking up together at 5 a.m. and from 5 to 6 a.m. doing this life savers uh, before we got on with our day. And um, that was a wonderful practice. I found in the last couple of months with the busyness of the campaign, um, because I've had to stay up later than, than I'm used to, uh, at times it's harder to wake up early. And so I haven't been able to follow that right now, but I'm looking forward to getting um, back on a routine. So whether it's savers or anything like that, really being intentional about the start of the day, you know, and taking some time. Uh, for myself is really important. Um, and connecting with nature every day, uh, whether it's in the form of a run or if it's going out, uh, you know, as I'm canvassing, I'm doing a lot of that also. That's awesome. So anything last, um, any last words of wisdom, encouragement, anything that you feel is important to share with listeners that we haven't covered? Well, thank you so much, Shadima, for the opportunity to be here uh, with you today and to speak with you, to learn more about you and your perspectives and experiences and, um, and to connect with your audience around the world. Uh, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Um, and I, I'd like to, to remind all of your listeners that, um, that their voices matter. That's right. Their lives have value. And so whatever opportunities they have or to create they can create and to work with each other to make sure that their voices are heard and resonating um, we need so um, you know in one way is in the form of elections um, so sometimes we have a sense of complacency uh, feeling that our voices don't matter um, oh, they're not going to count the vote anyways. Oh, they're going to give me a hard time anyways. Oh, I don't know if I'm registered. I don't know if I have the documentation. Um, oh, somebody decent ends up being elected from here anyways. You know, oh, nobody decent ends up being elected anyways. Whatever that chatter is in our minds, um, you know, I found one of the best ways to decrease the toxic stress is to take action. Mm -hmm. And so representation matters. Your voice matters. Please make sure you go out and vote. Um, and, and if they give you a hard time, connect with somebody in, in a local community, uh, you know, organization that can help you 
uh, with that. But we need to hear from you. And I'm very hopeful um, for our community and for our world. We have a lot of work to do. But when we have conversations like you're having um, and that, that we're having um, and that I've had with people in, in my district and across the state and people that I've met in my world travels, um, it reminds me of that beautiful shared humanity. And that's what we have to go back to in those moments when we need to reset ourselves as we go back out um, to do the work that needs to be done. So beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you had time to meet with me or to chat with me and to, for you to share your wisdom and lived experience with anyone who's listening to this podcast. So I'm so glad that it actually happened. So thank you for being here and sharing that insight, especially the insight at the end. That's really helpful. So friends, I pulled up a story from Humans of New York, and it appears to be a young man. He says, I'm from a small country in Africa called Benin which is in West Africa. I won the visa lottery to come here. I didn't even know I was eligible. My brother entered my name and didn't even tell me. I was studying to be a psychiatrist at the time. I assumed that I'd be able to continue with medical school, but when I arrived here, here in the States, I found out that none of my credits would transfer. I had a choice, either go home and become a doctor or start from the bottom. I didn't speak any English. I didn't have any money. But I knew if I could somehow make it here, my degree would be much more valuable. So I made the choice to stay. I began practicing English with my young nieces. The first thing I learned was, I'm going to kick you. I got a job with a catering company and learned how to say, I'm here to deliver your food. I studied as many YouTube videos as I could during my free time. It's been three years now. I'm almost finished with my bachelor's degree, just two classes left. At nights, I work as a behavioral health specialist, a behavioral specialist in a mental health facility. I'm going to take the MCAT in September. My friends back home have all become doctors already, but I try not to think about them. I don't want to lose my focus. I haven't made it yet, but I'm making it. Which, that is such a beautiful story. It's reminiscent of so many stories of folks that come over to this country from other places. So what you may have heard is a false narrative of immigrants causing trouble here or not pulling their weight here is generally just that false. And I love that he shared what you shared about remaining focused and looking inward and looking at yourself and not comparing to others so that you don't lose that focus that you called it centering yourself on the wholeness of who you are, which is a beautiful sentiment, a beautiful picture. And so friends, I encourage you to do the same. Take that time to step back, especially with all what's going on around us. It's easy to get really overwhelmed and think that you can't do anything and get in this almost like analysis paralysis where you're just stuck. And there is an opportunity. There is a space for you. You belong. And we're glad to have you. So, friends, thank you so much for the support and the love that you always provide this podcast. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, please let me know. My name is Chidima. Let's see. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me back it all the way up. So, 
I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I'm in that place in me, there is only one of us. Now, I'm Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Cast episode 97. So glad you all were here. Please connect with me. I would love to hear from you. Have a gratitude-filled rest of your day. Until next time, namaste.